on that song. It's beautiful music. Amen. And uh, when you know, there's a difference between music that is truly honoring God and music that is appealing to the flesh. And everyone may define that differently, but uh, that's up to us and God's as God's people individually, even to define uh, is what my worship towards God is it pleasing to Him? Is it bringing honor to Him? And so. Thankful this morning we can worship together with music that brings honor to Christ. Amen. And uh, let's take our Bibles together and we'll turn to the book of Galatians with one another. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are some Bibles there in the pew in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible at all, we'd love to be able to get you a Bible. Uh, let me know after service. We have Bibles that we try to make available and we will even, I'd be more than happy to give you a Bible if you don't have one. And so, uh, uh, but uh, if you need one for today, you can find one right there in front of you. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't make a big deal about whether or not you have a Bible or don't have a Bible, but I would encourage you, if you come to the house of God, bring your Bible, and that gives you the opportunity to follow along with uh, the Word of God that's being read. Uh, at the end of the day, it's not about what I say, and that's the truth of the matter. It isn't about what I say. It's about what God says in His Word. Uh, my only goal uh, when coming behind this pulpit is to uh, take the Word of God and hopefully help to explain uh, the, the principle and the application that God has for us uh, and from it. Uh, but I am not God, <laughs> and I'm definitely uh, not one that gives an exclusive message that cannot uh, be given outside of God's Word. Uh, I'm simply uh, a messenger of it. And so, as you have God's Word in your lap this morning, uh, let the Word of God speak to you today. And we're going to pray here in just a few, moments, a few moments. You ask God to speak to you and to work in your heart in a special way. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, your Word and the message that we find within it, the truth that we find within it of salvation. Lord, I pray today that as we would uh, study together and we would uh, seek to apply your Word, may it become clear to our hearts and our minds. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would open uh, my mind of, with clarity. Lord, may my, my mouth and my speech be of clarity and understanding. And may your word go forward with power. Uh, may it be received uh, with, uh, with open hearts. Lord, I pray that you would remove all distractions, uh, whether noises or movements uh, or simply thoughts in our mind that may uh, cross uh, during this time here together. May you uh, help us to remain focused upon what you would have for us today. We ask for your blessing and your Holy Spirit's presence and movement today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We think about the freedoms that we have in our country. Aren't you thankful for our freedoms? Amen. You know, it's so often that we take for granted the freedoms that we're given. And, and when you think about uh, even some of these songs that, we, that we've sung this morning and uh, singing sing about our country and our forefathers and all that's been given and sacrificed, I'm not here to give you a history lesson today, but may we not forget that the very foundings of our country was built on Christian faith. Amen? And uh, for us as even God's people to stray away from the faith, to become unfaithful to God's word, is to stray away even from the very foundings of our country and what it was being strived to be built upon. It's unfortunate to say that uh, we could point the finger at teachers, we could point the finger at specific people, but it's important to say in general that we don't remind ourselves as much as we probably should, uh, of the, the very foundings of our country and where it's built upon, the, of our, the faith in Christ and uh, our, our relationship with Christ. And uh, may we not stray away from those things, is what I'm trying to tell you. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's fair to say that the younger the generations get, the further along we get, the further away uh, we seem to be coming from God in a relationship with God. And, um, you know, uh, from the very beginning, our forefathers and their coming to the house of God and being faithful to the house of God, 
we're finding less and less of that. Even churches themselves, if they're not closing their doors, they're becoming less and less that of a church and the very presence of, uh, of God being welcomed. Uh, and uh, I'm not here to tear people apart today. That's not my goal. Uh, but may we be reminded of, uh, uh, of the very foundings of our country this morning, the freedom which we have. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a communist country, one that doesn't have so much freedoms. Anyone had the opportunity to go out of the country and uh, be under that influence? A couple of us, probably maybe more the military ones or missions trips and that sort of thing. And uh, If you ever go to a country where there's that government control, less of those freedoms, you can, uh, I don't know quite how to explain it, but you can just feel it even just walking through the city. Uh, and, and some of it's even with just having the people in mind. I think uh, the country that comes to my mind first that I uh, could just ev so evidently see it was a time that I spent in China. And it seemed like even so far as down to the sidewalks in which you would walk in, there was no consideration of even the handicapped people. Uh, not just how the, the concrete was poured, but even of the escalators that would go up into uh, different buildings and that sort of thing. They were not handicap accessible by any means. Uh, the, the, it was many things that even the way the city was built was not with a consideration of the people. Uh, we have so much freedom, so much uh, ability to be able to do things in our country. And the, the, uh, beyond the freedoms, the, the blessings which we've been given. Um, uh, the, the ability to do things. When spending time in China was my first time going to an actual underground church. And when we say underground church, in my mind, you know, uh, you know, maybe shame on me, but I really had this. I don't really know what I had in mind, but I almost had this thinking that it literally was like underground, you know. And uh, uh, but the first time I went was actually in uh, Beijing area, and we were there with a missionary to do what we can with missionaries in China, and. Um, uh, they took. He, I remember him taking us. Um, I, I don't. I can't remember if we rode a taxi or if he drove us. But coming to this big apartment complex building, it looked like it was run down. It didn't actually look like people were living there, but they sure enough were. And uh, we walked up several stories going in there, and it really felt like you were stepping into somewhat of like a horror movie because the the the, the lights were not so strong, and uh, some of them weren't even on. And and the, the rooms that uh, you would see the front doors were, if they didn't have graffiti painted on them, they had something on them and they were just, it just didn't have a very welcoming experience. You could smell uh, the smell of alcohol and, and, and um, uh, who knows else what that was in there, smoke and all that sort of thing. And uh, going up that flight of stairs and coming into, coming up to this corner room and there were a couple different uh, apartment buildings that uh, at least the, the exit in the front were just side by side, just right in the corner. And I remember coming into that room and it was like night and day. You came in there, they changed the whole lighting and everything. It just felt like you stepped into, you know, a miniature auditorium, you know, and uh, sitting in that service. But uh, all the things that go through your mind is, yeah, well, look how rough things are. But you also think of how, uh, how privileged we are as people to be able to worship in a country with the freedom that we have. Amen? And uh, don't, don't ever take for granted that we have the freedom to do that. And the unfortunate thing is, is uh, there, there is an agenda from some that would desire to take those freedoms away from us. And um, again, I'm not here to give you a political speech, uh, but let's think this morning ultimately, where does our freedom come from? It comes from God. In Galatians chapter 5, as I think about that word freedom, or the word of God uses the word liberty in many instances, uh, Paul uses it in Galatians 5 in verse number 1. And as we look there together, the word of God says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty there wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again 
with the yoke of bondage. Aren't you thankful for the freedom that comes from Christ? Amen? You understand what that freedom is. It's freedom from the bondage of sin. Amen? It's freedom from the, what we truthfully deserve, that punishment uh, of eternal uh, life in hell. That's what we deserve for our sin. The Bible tells us all of us are sinners and therefore in need of Christ. But Christ made a way, through the, his death upon the cross, made a way of salvation, or should we say, he made freedom available to all mankind. This liberty. You understand there is a liberty that comes with being a Christian. Uh, that liberty, I would say, though, unfortunately in society is being redefined among Christians. Uh, for some Christians, we look at the Christian life, and because I'm a Christian, well, that means I have more free will and able, ability to be able to do whatever I want to. Uh, for others, uh, they, they, they accept that freedom, that salvation, and they just keep it to themselves altogether. But understand, the freedom which we've been given by Christ, that salvation from Christ, that freedom from bondage, it, it, it is... is uh, speaking and tied into a relationship with God. A relationship with God. Now we're not just talking about knowing who God is. Uh, it's fair to say that all of us can, uh, can have an idea at the very minimum of who God is. You wouldn't be in church here today if you didn't have some minuscule idea uh, of who God is. But when we speak of a relationship with Christ, you've acknowledged that you have accepted his freedom. You've acknowledged that you've accepted his salvation. And how have you acknowledged so? Because you put your faith and trust in Christ. You've admitted that you have sin in your life and therefore you need him. And now the life that you're living is to be, and this is the principle here this morning, is to be a life that's lived within that freedom, but rather in obedience to God's word. Uh, too many Christians are living uh, the Christian life with the freedom that God has given to them, uh, but they're not living according to and in obedience to God's word, according to God's way of the Christian life. The Christian life is not just a better life, should we say, than the non-Christian. It's not that we are on some higher pedestal, and because we have a promised eternity with Christ, that we, uh, that we are you know, more honorable before, honorable before Christ. The misconception is just very that. Just because you may go to church every week, just because you may read your Bible every day, just because you may have a prayer walk with Christ, for that matter, you may even have, truthfully, received that salvation in a relationship with God, but may we never conceive in our mind that we are anything better than anyone else as a result of who we are. We only have the salvation, the freedom which we have today because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Amen? Christ has made that way possible. Christ giving his life for us. Um, we think about uh, our country and the, 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 the sacrifice that was made for our freedoms. Just, uh, just read to you some notes that I've made. Of course, we know July 4, 1776, uh, that it was on this day that 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence, uh, having it been adopted by the Congress. Their convictions resulted in the suffering of, of many individuals. Uh, of, 56, of these 56 men, five were captured by the British, tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary, Ar Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. And nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the war. And it is that Declaration of Independence that uh, gave our forefathers something to stand for. Here's, the, here's what I'm saying. Why do I say all that? It's to say this. As we think upon our country... May we not forget that with freedom 
there must come some sacrifice. With freedom, there must be sacrifice. And when we consider the Christian life this morning on uh, this uh, day before July 4th, could I say to you this morning, with freedom coming from Christ, salvation, there must be some sacrifice. What are you doing with the freedom that God has given to you? What are you doing with the salvation that God has given to you? Uh, we, we could talk all day about being a witness for Christ, but that's, that's not ultimately the principle I'm trying to have us to think on this morning, although that is of great importance, amen, that we tell others about Christ. But as we consider this morning the freedom, what are you sacrificing in order to, to, in order to in your relationship with God, increase in your walk? Increasing your knowledge of Christ, increasing your, uh, your service towards Him. Too many of us as Christians, we view salvation as really somewhat of a get-out-of-hell-free card. Uh, that it gives us the liberty to do uh, all that we want to do with our life. We, 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 we feel that we have more freedom because we don't have to worry about the end result, burning in an eternal hell. The Bible tells us here in Galatians chapter 5, Stand fast, therefore, and the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. But notice, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Paul's speaking to the church at Galatia and he's, he's warning them, he's pleading with them, he's urging them to keep from sin. Turn just a few pages over, uh, back actually, into Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Galatians 5 is obviously the end of the book, and he's giving the conclusion to uh, his entire subject of that which he's speaking on, and that being concerning the Christian life and separation uh, from sin. But notice how he speaks to the Galatians, and really, God speaks to us as we read these verses. Galatians 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth and crucified among you. This only what I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Notice verse 3. Here's the question. Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? I, I sense a, 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 just a tad of sarcasm almost with Paul as he speaks in verse 3. And he says, are you so foolish? That while God has saved you and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, that you would think that you can still allow yourself to live in open sin before God? That you can allow yourself to, to, to live the Christian life as though sin is acceptable into your life? Paul's warning is, don't be so foolish. In fact, for you to do the, just that very thing, you are a fool, the Bible tells us. You are a fool. And so this morning I want to talk to you about this, this subject of abusing your freedom. Abusing your freedom. And what I want to give to you this morning are some things that, should, uh, that you should be using your freedom to do. When the Bible tells us in Galatians 5, to stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, what are some things that we should be using our freedom to do to stand fast in? I say to you, number one, use your freedom to identify with God. Use your freedom to identify with God. We just read already in Galatians chapter 3 where he says, Are ye so foolish, having begun the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? I can't help but uh, always be reminded when I read this passage of Scripture or when the Word of God tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians how that our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, that every time you or I commit a sin before God, 
we are committing sin with a body in which the Holy Spirit dwells. Just because that you are a Christian doesn't mean that you know what you're doing when it comes to committing sin before Christ. When it comes to uh, doing less for God. And so the Bible tells us, use your freedom to identify with God. Turn to Romans chapter 6 as we think on this principle. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1. Paul speaks uh, yet again in the book of Romans and speaks in much the same way as he did in, in the book of Galatians. Romans 6 verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? There's a question mark. What more is there to be said? He says in verse 1, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God has saved us by his grace. Does that mean we should just continue on in sin? Notice he continues, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. He's getting ready to talk about an identity with Christ. He's saying, Christian, if you know the Lord, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going to identify with Christ in three ways. In his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Notice what he says in verse 3. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? You tell me, what does the Word of God say? Walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is what? Crucified, put to death, that, that is to say, with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. God gave us freedom from sin. Amen. God gave us that freedom through his salvation. But God forbid that we would not identify with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. What does that mean? To, to die of ourselves. The moment that you receive Christ, the Bible tells us that the old man passed away, you now have a new life in Christ. But I say to you this morning that though the old man has passed away, yet you, if you don't stay yielded to Christ and the Holy Spirit's leading in your life, you can still give way to that old man. In other words, you'll be bringing the old man back to life. And rather than having that new life in Christ, that newness that that, uh, that, that is being spoken of in this passage of Scripture, the, the new life which we have, the, the, the uh, Holy Spirit's leading and guiding within our life, rather than God's working, instead, we're now giving allegiance to our own freedom, what we want to do, what we desire to do. You see, God's freedom which He gives to us through salvation is not so that we can just live as we please with an assurance that we know that we're not going to hell. But it's a freedom to be able to identify with God. Amen? I say to you this morning, that's a privilege. It's a privilege to identify with Christ. Amen? It's a privilege to identify with Christ. Your question this morning is, Christian, are you identifying with Christ in every part of your life? When others know of the conversations you have, does it speak of an identify, uh, identification with Christ? When others uh, see the way that you, you uh, carry your body, you dress your body, you you uh, decorate your body, do they see an identity with Christ? You know, when others see um, uh, the, the words which we use, that you use with your mouth, do they see identity with Christ? Uh, when, when others know of the movies that you watch, 
go, whether going to or watching them in your living room, does it identify with Christ? Do you find in your Christian life the liberty, the freedom, the joy in that freedom? We find joy and freedom. Amen? Do you find joy in identifying with God? The unfortunate thing is too many Christians, we are abusing that freedom. And we've concluded, well, I have nothing else to worry about. And so rather than having, as God gives to us in his word, a line of separation, we are separating from the world and unto God. Instead, we often like to straddle the line. We stand in between and strive to have both, the best of both. And that leads us to the second point this morning, where our freedom should identify us with God. Number two, our freedom should testify of God. Our freedom should testify of God. You remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees? We find whether truthfully Christians or not, but what was their lifestyle known to be lived, and what did Christ call them out on more than one occasion? They were known as hypocrites. Two-faced individuals. People who are striving to live two different types of lifestyles. Let me ask you, Christian, does that describe you? Are you the same person that people know you to be in church as you are in your home, alone? <laughs> as you are in your home with your family? As you are in the places that you go? I don't know where you go. I'm not following you around with a camera. But let me tell you, God knows. Do you identify with Christ? Do you testify of God? in your life. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice what the Word of God says concerning this liberty yet again. We can abuse our freedom by not identifying with Christ, but secondly, we can abuse our freedom by not testifying of Christ. The identity is the choice by convictions. I'm doing what I'm doing and choosing to do with my life because I want Christ to be seen inside of me. When we talk about a testimony of Christ, now this is an outward expression. This is an outward testimony so that others can see. Whether spoken vocally, it's, it's seen through our identity. They're directly linked together. 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 15, notice the Bible says, For so is the will of God. That's a worthy phrase of underlining, the will of God. Because as we continue, notice the Bible says, That with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. Notice, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. It is not the will of God that our freedom would be used as a coat to simply just look like Christ when we want to. That we would be acceptable for the lifestyle that, that we are living we understand uh, in the context in which uh, is being spoken of, and Peter talks, is, and we'll look together back at the end of the verse, talking about that, uh, the serving of others. But, but what are we talking about here? This liberty that was being used, this freedom, this salvation that, that, that they had, yet using it as a coat, as a cloak. Well, now, now I, I, I can you know, put on my suit and my tie and look appropriate for God when it's Sunday. But on Monday through Saturday, boy, it's, it's party time, right? I can do whatever I want to do. I can go where I want to go. I can be with the people I want to be with. I can watch what I want to watch. I can say the words I want to say. I can, uh, I can do the things that I want to do because it is my life. It's my freedom. I live in a free country. May we not abuse the freedoms that God has given to us. Just because you are a child of God does not give us the liberty to sin before our God. Amen? The Bible tells us Use your freedom to testify of God. 
In James chapter 1 and verse 25, why don't you turn there with me? James 1 verse 25. The Word of God tells us that this liberty can be used as a cloak of maliciousness. That word maliciousness means wickedness. That cloak is literally speaking of something that's covering up. You can cover up uh, yourself so that it's something that's easily then removed when you want to remove it. James chapter 1 verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We find here this liberty being directly linked to the Word of God. What is this verse saying? It's saying, here's what the Word of God should become to you. A mirror. <laughs> that when I'm looking in it, I'm asking myself, am I identifying with God? Is the job that I'm working, and the people I'm spending time with, or the places that I'm going, is the ways that I carry myself, are the things that I do with my downtime, do they, do they exemplify Christ, identify with Him, and testify of Him? I say to you, we live in a world today that unfortunately Christians are dropping our standards, we're dropping uh, our, our principles, we're dropping our convictions, and now the Christian life has no line of separation. It's not about what you, what, uh, you do or do not do better than the other person. We could talk about the specifics of, uh, of, of different types of things, but at the end of the day, here's the ultimate thing. Do you identify with Christ? Do you testify of Christ? Uh, churches and pastors and preachers can have arguments over uh, things really that are so minuscule in the long run. They're, 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 they're so minor to the very big picture. Here's the big picture. God has made a way of salvation possible for all mankind. Amen? That way of salvation provides freedom for us from sin and the punishment of sin. But with that freedom comes with a life with Christ a separation from the world and unto God. It doesn't mean you isolate from the world, but it means that you're insulating yourself in Christ. Not isolating, but insulating. What does insulation do? It keeps the warm and the cold in within the walls, right? So you're, you're still there, but you're in Christ. Christ is in you. There's a relationship that's being had there. You're insulated, you're, but you're not isolated. You see, sometimes that cloak can be worn one of two ways. It's worn so that it can be taken off when one would be in the world. And sometimes, for the Christian, it's worn and we're hiding over here in a corner. We isolate ourselves. God does not intend for our freedom to be used in such a way that we're isolating ourselves. We keep from every opportunity to share the gospel. We keep from every opportunity to identify with Christ. We keep from every opportunity to, uh, to testify of Christ through our life. God's given to us a freedom. What are you doing with that freedom? Are you standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free? Number three, as we look together uh, in the book of Romans. Let's turn there together. Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. How can we abuse our freedom? It's when we use our freedom to not identify with Christ. It's when we use our freedom to not testify of Christ. But number three, and I alluded to it earlier... It's when we use our freedom to not glorify Christ. The glorification comes from a personal choice to become an identification, a testimony, and not what Romans 14 tells us. Notice Romans 14. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore, for judge this rather, that, notice, no man uh, uh, put a stumbling block 
or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Galatians 5 verse 13, we already read it, but I'll read it to you again. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. We have been called unto liberty. We have been called unto liberty. Only use not this liberty for an occasion of the flesh. But the word of God says at the end of five, Galatians 5 verse 13, but love, but by love serve one another. Here's what brings glory to Christ. When your freedom is not used to, to please only you. To meet only your needs. Here's where, how the freedom is to be used. As a servant. To serve others. To serve Christ. Amen? The Bible tells us when Jesus came down this earth, he came not to be ministered unto, but to do what? To minister. Christ came in the form of a servant. He lowered himself. We're given that picture even further when he washes the feet of the disciples. That Christ would lower himself to the point of a man. Man capable of sinning. Man having sinned. Identifying with us as human beings. Sinful beings. Christ became a man. 100% man. Christ died upon the cross. Taking the punishment, the pain, the crucifixion upon the cross. In order and so that we do not have to receive an eternal death in hell. And with all the freedom that Christ gives to us through salvation, are we standing fast? Are we standing fast in the freedom wherewith Christ has given to us? The Bible says, use your freedom to glorify Christ. Who are you bringing glory to in your freedom that you've been given to? Too many Christians use the freedom of salvation to, to do whatever they want to do. It's all about them. God has not given us our salvation, that freedom, to be kept to ourselves. It's not a freedom that's to be only to meet our needs. But it is to be a freedom that is of service to others. I'm not saying that you need to go quit your job and say, I'm your slave now. Okay? You know, I need no income. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm your servant. I'm at your beckoning will. You know? uh, it, it's not that we fall before someone's feet. In that, but it's that our needs become secondary. As we say, Jesus and others and you, what does that spell? Joy. You want a joyful life. You want a life of blessing. You want Christ. Uh, you, you want uh, joy that's found in Christ. It's when you let your life and the freedom which you have become of service to God. Because here's the truth of the matter. Our life is not our own. The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body does not belong to you. In other words, your life, the very breath which you have... It's been given to Christ. The moment that you receive Christ's freedom, it, we don't say it actually this way, but essentially what we do when we put that cloak of righteousness upon ourselves and try to identify in a different way or we try to cover ourselves up in whatever way, fashion that may be, is really what we tell God. We, we say, you know what, you're, the freedom which you've given to me, is, it's, it's not that important. I, I don't really, what, what, what good is it really doing me? Really, for us, it's just a, it's like a back in our mind. It could become just a small piece of mind that I, I just know where I'm going in eternity. But I better live my life to its fullest now. Uh, it, it drives me crazy to think it, the, how unfortunate it is. And I'm hearing Christians go as far to say, or should I say claim to be Christians, go as far to say, you know what, why, why don't you just live a little? Why can't we just live a little and just, we can't live forever. We can't be young forever. Just do what makes us happy now. You see, the, the problem with that 
It's an abuse of the freedom which God has given to us. If you're truly a believer in Christ, you're truly a child of God, God has given you your salvation not so that we can just conceal it, not so that it would be covered up, but that we would serve, that we would put the needs of others first. The whole very matter that Paul speaks of in the book of 1 Corinthians is the better way. The, the better way, that being of love. God has given us the more excellent way that we would love one another because charity never faileth. The gift that we're given in that freedom is the gift to be able to love others in Christ. The, lo the definition of loving others in Christ, it's letting yourself be identified, testifying of Christ, and now I'm serving others. Just because you hug a person in church and you pat them on the back and say, I love you, brother, I love you, sister, I'm praying for you, that's not the definition of, of loving others in Christ. We're talking about service. You know what, brother, sister in Christ, you just came to know the Lord. Can I, can we, let's, let's have a Bible study together. Can I disciple you? God's laid on my heart that I, I need to try to help you to be a better follower of Christ. This, the, the very principle that God gives to us as Christians is disciples discipling other disciples. You know what a disciple is? It's a follower of Christ. But just because you are following in God's steps doesn't mean you're following as you should be. So that's why God says those who are followers are teaching others how to be followers. Are you discipling someone? Are you serving others? Putting their needs first? Yeah, I know there's needs all over the world. People that are, are not, not having food, people that don't have a place to live. We're not talking about those needs as much as we're talking about the spiritual needs. Ultimately, why should we be helping to meet others' physical needs? It's so that their spiritual needs can be met the same. You see, the abuse of freedom is when, as Christians, we view our freedom that I'm going to go out and do all these charitable things, giving money, giving time, but nothing involves the freedom that's given to us by Christ. We could, have, um, we could have a barbecue and just have a barbecue. We could have teen camp and just have teen camp. We could have a, a Bible school and just have a Bible school. But if all of it is done without an involvement and a sharing and a giving and a service that involves the freedom of our salvation, why are we even doing it? We're just living in the freedoms of our country alone and not in the freedom that Christ has given to us. I say to you what a blessing it is to live in a free country, but are we living and standing in the freedoms that God has given to us? Let's say very bad and every eye closed. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, the Bible tells us our liberty can become a stumbling block. Are you, have you become a stumbling block to someone? God forbid. You see, the opposite of bringing glory to God is when you allow yourself to pull others further away from God than actually bringing them closer to Christ. How can you identify? How can you testify? How can you glorify Christ? It begins with the relationship. You've got to be a follower. It continues with your desire to grow. You're in God's Word. You're praying. You're in God's house. You're growing. You're making strides in your Christian walk so that now you can serve others better. And by the way, that service towards others is not power which comes from ourselves. It's power which comes from the Holy Spirit. Because the truth is we can't do it in our own strength. We need the Lord's help. Christian, we have this time we call 
an invitation because it's an invitation for you to respond to God. 